John chapter 1 and verse 9, if you're willing and able tonight, would you please stand out of respect to the Word of God? We'll pick up, let's just read verse number 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Let's pray. Father, I ask you to help us tonight, Lord, as we attempt to preach the Word of God. I pray you'd help me tonight to do it clearly, Lord, and do it in such a way that the youngest child in here can leave knowing exactly what I preached about. And not only the youngest child, but Lord, the most aged and mature saint in here tonight can leave with a blessing from heaven. And I pray tonight that, Lord, as I preach, that you would preach as well. I pray for the divine enabling of the Holy Ghost, that, Lord, you would take the Word of God, Lord, and as it goes forth, that you would water it, Lord, and you would blow upon it, breathe upon it, and, Lord, that it would come alive to each and every one that's here. We thank you tonight, Lord, that we don't have a dead Bible that's not full of dead words, but it's alive and well. And I pray, Lord, tonight you would hide me in the shadow of the cross, Touch these lips of clay. Anoint me with fresh oil. Fill me, Lord, with thy Holy Spirit. Allow me to preach with as much power as a human can possibly preach. And Lord, when we leave tonight, Lord, I'll give you all the honor and all the glory for anything that's done, Lord, in this service tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. amen. Verse number 10. Verse number 10. We finished this morning. We stopped this morning there and as I said, we're going to attempt to get through the rest, so just bear with me tonight. The Bible says this, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. On the Lord's day. When you read your Bible, it brings it to life when you begin to study and, and read and understand the context uh, of what's being written. Who was writing it and when was it being written? And this is John writing. And by the way, the, the, most Bibles, mine says it says the revelation of St. John the Divine uh, that's not true. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ the divine. Amen. Um, John was not, he would not like the fact that people were calling him the divine. John was just a humble man. Of course, he was blessed by God, gifted by the Spirit, but he was writing us the revelation of Jesus Christ. And on verse number 10, the Bible says, He said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And uh, again, I, I mentioned it this morning, I will just again, to, as we begin preaching tonight, that the Lord's day is a day like no other. Amen. Amen. Now, the day of the Lord's coming. You better believe that. And there's no day going to be like that day when the day of the Lord comes. And, and uh, the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and uh, verse 9 that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His long suffering towards us, his long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And the ver next verse, 2 Peter 3.10, says, But the day of the Lord will come. And here, John, I believe, is not writing about the Lord's day, uh, the day of the Lord, but I believe he's talking about the Lord's day, the first day of the week. Amen. I want to say I, I, I was thinking today this afternoon about this and I just started going back in my mind and all the great things that God has let me to see on the Lord's day. I started thinking about some people I saw saved on the Lord's day and, and miracles we've seen happen on the Lord's day. Just in our <coughs> time here, we've seen God do some great things on the Lord's day. I believe that Sunday ought not just to be a speed bump between Saturday and Monday. Amen. 
I, I, think, I feel like that if you and I really have our hearts right and our minds right, that, that Sunday would be the highlight of our week. And that we should look forward to it and we should encourage our family. We shouldn't say, well, we got to go to church tomorrow. We got to do this and we got to do that. I mean, we are privileged to be here tonight. Amen. To be in the Lord's house on the Lord's day. And this morning we said that on the Lord's day, and again, I hope this is making sense. And if not, you're just going to have to listen to it when you get home and tomorrow and try to pick it up. But we said it involved a witness. There was a man there on the Isle of Patmos named John. And he was the only believer on that island. He was the only God-fearing, I mean, saved child of God on that island. But yet he got up that morning and he said, I'm not going to lay in my bed and I'm not going to grump and gripe, grump and grump and gripe and complain and grumble about my circumstances and about my uh, problems that I have. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lay in bed and just pout and be upset about this, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to church with Jesus. Amen. Oh, listen, this morning, I believe that if every one of us individually would make sure we're right when we come to church. Then when we all get together, listen, it would be wonderful uh, if we would all just say, I'm not going to worry who sits to my left or who sits to my right or who sits in front or who sits behind. I'm not going to worry about who sings and what they sing and the preacher, what he preaches, the text and the title. But all I'm going to go to for is to meet with Jesus and have a good day. Amen. And involved a witness. This evening, if you're not a witness, then you need to become one. Amen. Let me say, this is a wonderful crowd to be a part of. I read and see people say things and run down to the church and church people. And a preacher friend of mine the other day, or it's been several weeks ago, they had a neighbor that come over and uh, actually they had a dog. Uh, it was a part pit bull. And I'm, I can't say much about this because I forgot. But anyway, long story short, Brother Martin, he had been telling them this dog, he's got a little child. He said, you got to take care of this dog. It's, it's, it's aggressive, and, and, and they don't live in a place like we live. It's a big town. And he said, you know, if you keep on, I'm going to have to call the dog catcher and everything. Well, he called the dog catcher finally. And, well, the neighbor comes stomping over there and going to fight, you know, and carry on. Well, well, my friend, he come out with barefoot and got him in a headlock and drove him across the front yard and, and threw him back across his property line. And, and, oh, listen, they got on their church page and blasted them, put it on. How what a terrible, what a terrible uh, person he was and how a terrible church he had and how an awful hypocrite he was and but anyhow I just had to make mention of that I would say his name but I'm not going to but I'm saying this I love the church don't you I love God's people do we have problems sure we do do we have problems with each other? Sure we do. Do we have misunderstanding? Yes, we do. But like the kids, uh, uh, like the song, we're still going through. Amen. And listen, John, I was a witness on the Isle of Patmos. Verse number 10. By the way, you can't have church unless there's some witnesses there. And that's all we are. We're all witnesses of what Jesus has done in our life. But I want you to see tonight, verse 10 on down through verse 17, that it involved only a witness but on the Lord's day, it involved worship. It involved worship. You see, John couldn't preach. He couldn't testify. He couldn't help the, he couldn't help the church. He couldn't teach a Sunday school class. But you know what he could do? He could worship. Amen. And did you know there's something you can offer to God that nobody else can? It's your worship. Here John is on the Isle of Patmos and... I want to get in this as quick as we can. And, and on the aisle, I mean, listen, he had every reason not to worship. 
You say, oh, but James, you just don't know. You just don't understand. And I'm not trying to say sound callous or cold-hearted. Don't ask you tonight, do any of us have as much reason not to worship as John the Revelator? I mean, this man was crippled. I mean, he had been, his body was mutilated. His freedom was gone. All because he had taken a stand on the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, and yet John said, I'm not going to let that keep me from worshiping my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to see this in worship. There's some elements here that I believe are, are consistent with all worship. The first thing is there was preparation for worship. The Bible says in verse 10, I was in the capital S spirit on the Lord's day. That's not talking about His spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, I was in the spirit. And listen tonight, when you're in the you know, we know that worship is so much different when you're in the spirit and when you're not in the spirit. What this is saying is that when John came uh, to worship the Lord, when John, wherever this was, uh, on the Isle of Patmos, he had made some preparation. He had gotten right with the Lord. If he was, if there was anything, you see, if you're walking in the flesh, you cannot walk in the Spirit. He was walking in the Spirit. He was being obedient to the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. Uh, John was uh, come to church, uh, come ready. He was ready to worship. Preparation. I wrote this down. Whatever what we do before we get to the house of God has everything to do with what we'll get from going to the house of God. John had reason to be in everything but the Spirit. You understand? Well, I'm just don't feel. I'm just in a bad mood. I'm just mad. I'm just upset. I just don't. I, I just. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just. You know, we got all. But here's John with a body that's scarred and marked, and it, I mean everything's taken away. He's he's isolated on the Isle of Patmos, and yet John still said, "I am going to be in the Spirit on the Lord's day." No, oh, listen this morning, this evening, whatever time it is. It would, it would improve our worship if we'd come to church and we'd say, Lord, I want to worship. You know what the Bible says in John? They that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You can have all the truth you want, and I love the truth, but if you don't have spirit, if you're not in the spirit, it's not what God wants. John had every reason not to be in the spirit. But yeah, he was. You know, we all, if we're saved... You have a human address and a heavenly address. Amen. Now, now it says there in verse, uh, verse number nine, he says, "I was in the isle that is called Patmos." But in verse ten, it says he was in the spirit. Which one was it? It was both. Over there in Colossians one and verse two, it says to the saints which are at Colossae and in Christ Jesus. Now again, I made reference to being a positionally speaking. John, John was, uh, practically speaking, he was on the Isle of Patmos. His feet were there, but his heart, he was in the Spirit. And, and what I'm saying, I, here's an illustration. I, I read about this man that was a shoe, he was a shoe cobbler. He worked on shoes, fixed shoes, made shoes, shine shoes, and, and he had an apartment upstairs uh, above his little shoe shop. And he'd go downstairs every day and he'd work and people would bring him their shoes. And, uh, you know, this is back when people fixed shoes. They didn't just throw them away. But, but anyhow, uh, he, uh, he, he was down there one day and one of his customers come in and began talking to him. He says, how does that work? He said, how does that? He said, isn't that odd, you know? And he said, well, this is how it works. 
He said, I, I work down here, but I live up there. You know, that's how the Christian life is. We work down here, but we ought to live up there. Amen. And we ought to have our heart and our affections and our minds uh, listen in, in and out of the Lord Jesus and realize that we have a heavenly address that uh, listen tonight that we are children of another world that uh, we're not of this world we're in the world and listen John said I was in the spirit on the Lord's day Amen. and you and I can be in the spirit too if we choose verse 10 through 16 there's a revelation though he says this, and I heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet, saying, I'm Alpha Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest, write in the book, and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, unto Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. Now listen, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven gold, the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man. Now I'm not going to read all this uh, for for sake of time. I want to get here and and, and and what was revealed to him on the Lord's day. What did he see? Uh, what was it that he saw on the Lord's day? I'll tell you, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, "I saw him." Amen. He said, I turned and I saw that voice. He said, it was one right unto the Son of Man. Amen. Oh, listen, don't you know that did John good? It had been a long time since he had seen the Lord. The last time he saw Him, he was ascending up towards heaven. And that angelic host said, oh, You men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing? Oh, this same Jesus, oh, who you see going, will all come also in like manner. As you see him go up and here, John is. That's, that was almost, if you do the math, that was about 50 years earlier was the last time he had seen Jesus. And here Jesus comes and he shows up on the Isle of Patmos and he says, John, I'm here. I, I want you to see me. I want you to understand that I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the first and the last. And what he was saying is, John, you're not done yet and I'm not done yet. Amen. And on the Lord's day, listen to me, you know what worship is? Not only is there preparation, but there's revelation. We worship the Lord when we see Him for who He is. How do we see Him? through the message, through the Word of God, through the singing, and we see the Lord as He is. Amen. I want you to notice this. Jesus made a special appearance for John. This was not a normal occasion. This is a special appearance Amen. just for John. You know what, tonight it's not every time we come to church, so I'm not, but I'm so glad that I can take you to times where the Lord appeared. And I'm not, I don't mean like uh, uh, Joseph Smith, you know, in the 700 foot. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about it was better than that. Amen? It was better than that. When you see Him by faith, it's better than seeing Him by sight. And I mean, listen, He made an appearance. I want you to see what John saw. Look, verse number 10. Notice His voice. Not John's voice, but Jesus' voice. He said, and he heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. I believe Ty, where's Ty? You play a trumpet, is that right? We know trumpets, you can't play them quietly. You understand? 
There's no such thing as a quiet trumpet. So that speaks of the volume of his voice, but it also speaks of the clarity. The trumpet gives a distinct sound, a distinct noise. And listen, gee, John said it was like a trumpet. It was like a trumpet. What that means is he heard it clear, loud and clear. And listen to me. Uh, John, on the Lord's day, uh, in his worship, he heard a divine voice. Look down at verse number 15. He describes this voice. And his voice is the sound of many waters. That speaks of the power and the overwhelming. I mean, listen, that's the voice of the Lord. Now on earth, Jesus, He spoke to men and women. He spoke to them uh, at times with, with volume, but at other times He spoke in a still small voice. But I'm saying that on this day, uh, John said, I heard a voice. And He said it was like a great trumpet. And it was like the sound of many waters. Listen to me, worship is when we get ready and we come to church and we hear the voice of the Lord speak to our heart. This is what Jesus said about that voice in John 5, 25. Very, very, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Now, I understand normally this is um, applied to the resurrection at the coming of the Lord, at the rapture. But John 5, 24 says, very, very, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. And shall, listen, and shall not come to condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And then in verse 25, Jesus said, he said, the hour is coming now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. Now you believe how you believe when, and you preach how you preach whenever it's your time, whenever it's your opportunity. That's, how, that's between you and God. But I believe context tells me that this voice that John in John 5, 24 and John 5, I believe he's talking about the voice of the Spirit of God who awakens a sinner. Amen? You see the Bible says in Ephesians 2, and you have to be quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins. And listen to me tonight. I'm so glad there was a day in my life where the Lord spoke to me and brought me to life. His voice, it brings life. Over there in Ezekiel chapter 16, Ezekiel the prophet, he had this vision and God, he compared Israel to a little baby. He said its mother, it was, it was a half-breed child and it was thrown out in the field and, 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 he, and he said that no, no, I pity thee and neither were they salted at all and none swaddled thee and, and this little baby was out in an open field dying and, and dead in that field. He said, but when I pass by thee, I suddenly live. He said, yay, I suddenly live. Hey, Amen. And listen, John recognized that voice. And listen to me. If you've been saved, you recognize that voice too. Jesus said in John 10, verse 3, to him that the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he put forth his own sheep, he goeth before him, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And I remember John wrote that. He wrote that about 30 years before he experienced this. 
And don't you know when he wrote that, he often probably thought what he was talking about. And exactly, you know, when he talked about that voice and that voice and that voice, and then here he is uh, on the end of his life, all alone on the Isle of Patmos, and in the stillness he heard something uh, like a great trumpet, like the sound of many waters. He said, there was a voice. There was a voice. Uh, listen to me. Uh, you can come to church and hear a good sermon and not hear his voice. Uh, you can come to church and hear a good song and not hear his voice. But isn't it good when you come to church and you hear the voice of the shepherd uh, speaking to your heart and comforting yourself? There was a voice in his worship. Amen. I'm not charismatic, crazy man, or anything else. I don't believe in all that. And I don't think that I believe the Bible in the last verse of Revelation. That's the last of Revelation. You understand? But I do know I'm His and He is mine. And in my heart I have the Holy Ghost of God. And He is a comforter who comforts me and helps me and speaks to my soul. His voice. But look at His vesture. Verse 11. Verse 12, and I turned to see the voice spake me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like in the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot. There's his vesture. You remember on Calvary what they do with his garments? They stripped them off of him. Brother Mark, they nailed him to that cross, and they put him to an open shame. And it got so bad that at midday it became midnight. God turned out the lights on mankind. I, I believe that it was dark. I don't believe it was dark just in there. I believe it was dark all around the world. I believe there wasn't a, sun, a star shining in the sky. I, I don't believe there was a lightning bug. I believe if you've seen a lightning bug flying, uh, his, 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 his tail wasn't glowing. Amen. Anyway, his hinder parts, his hinder parts was not glowing. I believe, brother, uh, brother Jason, I believe the, the moon went dark and the world was covered in darkness for three hours uh, because they had took the Son of God and stripped him naked and they gambled upon his vesture. Oh, uh, but now he's not stripped and naked and nailed to a cross and John sees him high and glorified and he said it went down to his feet. It was a long ride. Carmen, amen. Oh, listen. And John saw Jesus as the glorified Savior. His vesture. His vesture. But it said he was girt. Verse 13 about the paps with a golden girdle. That speaks of his vocation. His vocation. The girdle was for service. The priest would wear one. It was so, and the soldiers would wear a girdle. That's why Ephesians 6 said, Have your loins girt about with truth. Because if they didn't, those garments they wore in those days, they'd get tangled up and fall. And then priest brother uh, Zeke, they'd wear that girt, they'd, they'd girt themselves about, and it would hold those garments together so they could be busy in the work of the Lord. Oh, listen to me. When it says his loins, uh, it, that there was, he was girt about with a golden girdle, it, it, it testifies or it speaks. Now, there's a lot of symbolism in this. And I hope you, I can take the Bible if, if you want me to. And we can go and I can show you line upon line, precept upon precept. But, but and if you want to study it out, study it out. And if you find error with me, come talk. We can work it out. We can talk it about. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus is not sitting on the throne tonight, twiddling his thumbs. That's not what he's doing. He's active. Amen. You see, on the cross, He did a work. He did a work for us. And He said, it is finished. 
The redemption work's done, but his intercessory work is still going on. Think about this. Jesus is in heaven tonight working for us. He's busy about the throne. He's taking up our prayers and giving them to the Father. He's watching over us. He's taking the care of us. He's blessing us. He's meeting our needs. He's listening to our prayers. Uh, when He said He was girded about with a golden girdle, it speaks of the priestly work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In this vision, we see a symbol in symbol form. We see His office as both prophet, priest, and king. The robe speaks of his royalty. The, 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 girt, the, the, the girdle of gold, it speaks of his priesthood. But look on down. It says, And his head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His vocation, his vesture, his voice, but then he speaks about his virtue. Daniel said it like this. And you can look it up in your own time. I believe it's Daniel 7, 7 through 12, where Daniel had a similar vision. And by the way, the book of Daniel, this, y'all gonna get real excited. Everybody stay calm. And look, I don't want anybody, if you got heart problems, take a deep breath because you might just have a big heart. You're gonna get real excited. We're gonna go through the book of Daniel while we go through the book of Revelation. Because you can't really understand one without understanding the other. Just be glad I didn't say Ezekiel. Amen. (laughs) I'd lose half of you in that wheel inside the wheel. You understand? But here he says, in Daniel, he called him this, the ancient of days. Do you understand the humanity of Christ? The life of Christ on earth was 33 years. But that was not his beginning and that was not his end. The hair like in the wool and white as snow, it speaks of him as the ancient of days, the timeless one, the one who always has been and the one who always will be. Amen. John had seen a lot of men come and go. He had been to a lot of funerals in the last few years. He had watched some of the greatest preachers that he knew die and murdered, martyred for the cause of Christ. That white hair, that woolly head, it spoke of the ancient of days. And long before they ever were, he was. And long after they were, he'll still be. It also speaks of his purity and his wisdom, his Virtue. Look at verse 14. It says his eyes were as a flame of fire. His vision. His vision. The Lord has clear vision. That fire can divide. You understand? It can cut through the thickest wood and melt the hardest steel. And in Bible times, when you spoke of fire, it was something that you couldn't hide from. You couldn't. And when it says his eyes were like a flame of fire, what that means is he can see through. He can he can see all the way to your heart. He can see your motives. He can see your intents. He can see your desires. And John said his eyes were like a flame of fire. Listen, I'm talking about worship on the Lord's day. His vision. Then look here. Verse 15. And his feet like in the fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace. We see his vengeance. Brass in the Bible always implies judgment. Judgment. Now we understand these feet, they still have nail prints in them but they're covered in brass. Now, if you were John, 
I want to ask you something. How would it comfort you know, seeing these feet of brass? I'll tell you how. Those ones that had locked him up and thrown him out there on that island, he looked at those feet. He said, he's on my side. Amen. And when it's the dust settles, he's going to win and I'm going to win too. Amen. What did God tell Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.15 about his, the seed of that woman? He said, she, he said the serpent was going to what? Going to bruise his heel. But he said he was going to what? He was going to crush his. And by the way, if you want to be a good Christian, you got to kill snakes. Because Jesus is a snake killer. He's going to bust one's head one day. Brother Aaron, it's going to be a good day. I said that for Brother Jared. But it's true. I'm a literalist. Amen. I believe in anyhow. One of these days, Brother Aaron. Jesus is going to pick up that, that shoe of brass and he's going to crush the head of Satan. Amen. Amen. Oh, when John saw this, this Savior, when he saw him, he said his feet were like fine brass. Oh, even on earth, nothing could deter him from the plan of God. Oh, nothing could keep him from going to Calvary. All the different uh, stumbling blocks that the devil put in his way, he busted right through them within feet of brass. Even a cold, dark grave couldn't hold him. He marched out through that stone with those feet of brass. And listen, he's coming back one day. He's not coming back. Listen, with grace and mercy but he's coming back with judgment for this world the vengeance of the Lord but look at verse 16 at his visage it says this and then he had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength he speaks of his visage his countenance the speaks of the brightness of his glory no one can approach the sun you want to study something amazing, study the sun, the S-U-N. I read something today, and I believe it's 425 million tons of matter are burned off every minute from the sun. You know, the Bible says the elements are going to melt. They are melting. And you can drive electric cars, and if you want to do that, that's fine, but you're not going to stop that from happening. Hey, I mean, if, it's, if gas gets high enough, I may ride my bicycle. Not far, but... <laughs> I may have to grab on the back of the Amish buggy and go to town. <laughs> but it's this age, the sun is so hot and so intense. Can you imagine approaching the sun? If you were to just get one foot too close, you would just burn up in just a moment, in an instant. And John looked at him and he said, His face is like the sun and his glorious bright and burning on earth. Now, listen, on earth, in his earthly ministry, there has never been a person who was more approachable than the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody could come to Him. But Brother Mark, when He comes again, it's not going to be that way. People say, well, I'll just get saved when the Lord comes. It's going to be too late. Because He's not coming saying, come unto me. He's saying, depart from me! I never knew you. And people think they're going to argue with the Lord. Can you imagine going tonight to the base of, Ma of Niagara Falls and arguing with that waterfall? I ain't never been there. I don't have no plans to go there anytime soon. But they tell me it's just an overwhelming roar comes from that water. 
And the Bible said his voice was like many waters. His visage was like, his countenance was like the sun in his brightness. And listen to me, if you're here tonight or you're watching and you've never been born again, you better come to him while he says come and accept him while you can. Because when he comes again, he's not going to be approachable at all. There's revelation. Verse 17 though, there's adoration. It says, and when I saw him, I fell, I fell at his feet. I fell at his feet as dead. Did you know tonight the most holy place in the world is not a pulpit? It's not a pew. It's not a piano. It's not a microphone singing. It's not a Sunday school room. It's not on the church bus. The most holy place you can ever go in the Christian life is the feet of Jesus Christ. John, he sees all this. And oh, listen, I don't know what was going through his mind, but I know it had to be stirring him up. And listen, he, he, the Bible says he fell down at his feet as if he were dead. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do. But he, he remembered those feet. He remembered that place. And he said, I'm just going to lay down here and fall. You say, I, I, I would never do nothing like that. I'd look like a fool. Well, listen, maybe, you know, maybe you ought to try it sometime. Amen. Because listen, John, there, why was he at his feet? He was bowing in adoration. He was bowing in worship. And listen, all this worship that's going on today, that's prideful and 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 and, and all and listen, that's all self-centered and self-focused, it's not of God. Real worship can never be mixed with pride. This is John the beloved. Brother Aaron, this is the one that laid upon his bosom. This is the one that was the nearest and dearest disciple. This is the one that stayed faithful to the end. He was the last living apostle on earth. And if John saw it fit to fall down at his feet, then who am I to stand up with my chest poked out and my head in the air saying, Lord, I'm just glad you can have me in here in church today. Sometimes we come to church like we're doing God a favor. I'll tell you what, he's doing me a favor when he lets me get out of my bed and my feet hit the ground. He lets me put on my clothes that I didn't pay for. And I, amen. He gets in and shoes that somebody else. You understand? Uh, listen, I, I, I just can't tell you. Listen, this Bible God gave me, this Bible that I'm preaching from tonight, this suit he gave to me, this tie he gave to me, this shirt. He, you say, I'm, that's just material things. Well, are we not supposed to thank him for those things? But listen, how this Listen, we ought to just say, you let me come to church. You give me strength to come. You allow me to be here and I'm going to worship you. He fell down on his feet. He fell down on his feet. See, real worship, it's not focused on a person or people. It's focused on Jesus. And let me say this. If I'm worshiping the Lord in the Spirit on the Lord's day, I'm not going to be concerned with how anybody else is worshiping Him. Because I'm going to be at His feet. Now, granted, this was a small congregation John was in. Him and Jesus. But if he had allowed a few Baptists that I've known in my time to get on that island with them and said, I can't believe John's acting such a way. He's supposed to be an apostle. 
He's supposed to be, but John didn't care. John didn't care. He just fell down. And tonight, aren't you glad there's a place at his feet for us? If you're a sinner tonight, there's a place for you. You can come to Him as guilty as you are and as dirty as you are and you can fall down at His feet and cry out for mercy and He'll give you forgiveness. There's a place for the saint tonight. You can fall down at His feet and worship Him and thank Him. There's a place for the servant of God who's struggling in the way. Amen. And to find strength and health and power and wisdom. All I'm saying is He he fell down at his feet. <laughs> then there was confirmation in worship. The Bible says in verse 17, I fell at his feet. And like, listen to this now. I about blow the gasket, but I really might do it right here. He laid his right hand upon me. I believe up until now, John, he had to have some there had to be a little bit of what he was seeing. This one, this, this didn't look like the Jesus he's seen last. But when he put his hand on him, he recognized his touch. You know, I thank God that he's got eyes of fire and hair like wool and, 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 a, and, and a robe down to his garments down and the girdle of gold. I, I mean, that's awesome to think about in his feet of brass. Oh, but listen to me tonight. I want to tell you what done me good as a 16-year-old boy. It was that right hand. It was that right hand that he took me up out of the mire of sin with and set me on a rock and established my gods. And John said, I felt that touch before, but thank God he'll touch us again. Amen. He'll touch us again. And old son says, touch me again, Lord. I need thy power. And oh, what a blessing it is when the good Lord takes his good hand and lays it on our life and touches us. The Lord was confirming to John that everything was going to be alright. Verse 19 and 20. We see it involves not only worship, it involves a witness, but it involves a weight. I'm not going to read all this for sake of time, but I encourage you to study it. Meditate on it. If you don't get anything else, get this. The weight is this. John, when this was over, was still in prison. He was still on Patmos. I can almost imagine him looking at his arm and there's still scars. He still got the same, listen, he still got the same problems he had before the day began. And you know tonight, listen, worshiping God and being in the Lord's house, it doesn't fix all our problems. It does. There's a waiting that we have to do. We have to wait on the Lord. We have to wait on Him to perform His will, not only in our lives, but in this world. And listen, oftentimes we'll come to church and we'll have a good service and we'll meet with God and we'll go to the car and we'll read the text messages and the problems, not only are they still there, but they're worse than they were when we came in. But hold on, listen, hold on. A little longer, Jesus told him. He said, I want you to write the things which y'all have seen and the things which are and the things which shall be hereafter. There's your outline of Revelations. And everything in Revelations is about one of three things. The things which were, the things which are, and the things that will be. Amen. And John is in the R stage and so are we. We're still in that, the things that are. 
But there's a whole lot of things that we're going to see in the days to come. In verse 19, he says, verse 20, the mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in the right hand and the seven golden seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. Now, again, we have to wait. There's a wait involved. You see, God didn't explain to John what those candlesticks and those stars were when he first seen them. But he stayed there. He stayed at his feet. And later on, God told him exactly what they were. Now get this, and I'm done. For real, I've only used one done tonight. I need to go check my temperature. But the Lord bless, help me with this. He says he's seen those seven stars in his hands. He said, those are the seven angels. Now listen, there's a lot of people believe that's talking about angels, like angelic. If you look up the word angel, it means messenger. This is why I believe. I believe he's talking about the pastors. Of those seven churches were in his hand. Don't you know John was worried about them churches? And Jesus said, John, I got them in my hand. We sing that song, he's got the whole world in his hand. But I ain't going to sing it because I don't want to ruin a good service, but it, he said, I got them seven stars and those seven messengers, those seven angels in his hand. And old John, he had to be burdened. If they took him and did to him what they had done to him, what are they going to do to those preachers at Ephesus and Thyatira and Pergamos and Philadelphia and, and Smyrna? What's going to happen to them if they did this to me? What are they going to do to them? And God said, I want to tell you what's going on with them preachers. He said, I got them right here in my hand. Amen. That blesses my heart. That helps me. That encourages me. That even though we're living in times where hey, we see the world and the government coming against men of God and, and preachers and people people have better time to live for God. I'm glad the Lord's got me in His hand. Amen. He said those seven golden candlesticks, He said those are the seven churches. Shining the light. And listen, where was He at in regards to them seven golden candlesticks? Where was He? In the middle. In the middle. Now let me ask those seven churches, and this, we're getting a little late, so it's all right, it's still raining, I hear it. Those, those seven golden candlesticks, of all the seven churches of Asia Minor, what's the one that had the worst reputation? But they weren't the only one that had problems. Ephesus, what had they done? They left their first. We could go on and on and on. But yet, he said, I'm still there. I'm still there. And boy, don't that bless your heart? We see the church, this church age that we're living in. We're seeing such a departure from the faith and from the Word of God, and so much going on, and so much, so much uh, evil, and so much apostasy. But aren't you glad? I believe. I believe that what Jesus was trying to show John is, I'm not done with God's men, and I'm not done with my church. I'm still doing a work, even in these days, in the Spirit, on Lord.